Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is our 115th episode of the H2O podcast. We're recording live at Planet Comic Con, which is why it sounds like it does. My name is Jason Hunt, and Timothy Harvey standing sitting next to me. I know it's very strange. We're usually across the room from each other. Yeah, I don't know if I like being this close to you. I'm not sure that you do. So we we've been kicking around a few ideas. I don't know that we settled on a topic to talk about for our 150. We kind of didn't. No, we kind of didn't. Which is normally how this works. We we beat around the bush a little bit and try to figure out what we're going to talk about. So why don't we do this? Why don't we do a, a sort of a stump the host type of? Because there's actually, yeah, there's actually people in the room. There's with people us. in the room, so yeah. let's let's do this. Let's let's see if this is actually working. Is it working? One, two, three. There it is. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Junior Me over here. Oh, me. We'll go around the room to anybody who's interested, and you guys can just, we'll speed around. Y'all can ask us any question about any story universe, and let's see how much we know. What do you think? This is a dangerous thing. You'll probably, you'll probably end up doing better than I do. <laughs> I have a wealth of useless knowledge. You are? Sure. Yeah, okay, that's, that's what we're going to do. Okay, yeah. so just to, just to let you know, this is uh, episode 115. You can find us on podcast.com or iTunes. And uh, being the 115th episode, it is also our 100th episode with SuperheroStuff.com as a sponsor. So uh, we are going to be giving away a Superhero Stuff Hero Box uh, in the next couple of weeks as part of this. So the mechanism, what I think we'll do is... Uh, hashtag H2O podcast 115. Mm-hmm. At what, how, how, how should we give this away? Well, we definitely want you folks, since you are here, to uh, either get us, get us a way to, to have you be part of it. So, um, and that's on Twitter. So hashtag H2O podcast 115. You want to you just have them ask us questions and any of, any of the questions become the random yeah. entry? Uh-huh. Okay, all right, so here's how we'll do this. You can ask us any question about any story universe in the genre, science fiction, fantasy, or horror, and we'll pick randomly out of those as an entry. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's the best question or a good question or a bad question. or All questions, you know, are, good all questions. questions are fine. And, <laughs> and use the hashtag, and then we'll pick somebody at random out of those to get the hero box. Yep. From superhero stuff, and I don't, I don't know what it is that they're giving away right now. Is it a Wonder Woman hero box? Um, goodness, they have so many great things that they're putting out right now. Um, yeah, they do, they I do different they're ones. Done, they're done with the Marvel they one. Doing, they were doing a, a Deadpool hero box for a while, right? 
So let's let's go ahead and start. I'm going to look right. that. He's going to he's looking that up. Who wants to go first? Who wants to who wants to step out there first? All right. Hi, my name's Steve. Hi, I'm Steve. a big fan of the Supergirl TV series, yeah. which is now moving to CW. Yes. Uh, just your thoughts on what is I, I don't know if you've been reading about the, you know, the negotiations that uh, went on with uh, CBS and CW, but it seems like it is a good. Fit. at least that's the word coming out of everybody who's commented on it, people on the show, the producers of this show moving to the CW with all the rest of the Berlanti produced programs and there's been talk of more crossover episodes. Uh, just like both of your gentlemen's uh, comments on the move of this show from a high profile network like CBS to CW, nothing against CW, not as high profile as CBS, and the uh, possibilities that there could be more crossovers with the show ups and downs with this move. Oh, sure, sure. I think it's a great move. Um, and yeah. I, th I think really because they've already established, I mean, CW is turning into the DC TV network, which is okay, actually. And because they're doing a really good job with it. And for all the struggles they're having on the movie side of things, which with the news is we've just gotten over the last week could be a significant change. Yeah, we'll that's we'll that's going to be a huge breakup, um, shakeup. But uh, they, they certainly have been doing really well on the CW. And the expectations are different for a network like the CW versus uh, regular network television. There's, you're not as reliant on advertising dollars to make or break your show. You can give something. I mean, how many seasons, for, for all the fact that Supernatural is a huge, you know, has a huge fan base, how many seasons has it been on the air? And with, We're in 11. And yeah, and, and it's and its numbers are, if the, the network numbers would be, it would have been canceled years ago. And, and so cable is a really fantastic thing for being able to, to give a show a chance to breathe. And Except CW is not cable. Well, but Although I mean. Although it's, it, 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 it's, it's almost an equivalent uh, in the broadcast world. But right. I think one of the other things too is the fact that um, Supergirl has always felt like a CW show. Um, as a matter of fact, it was pitched to CW first, and Mark Pedowitz is on record saying, "Yeah, we should have picked that up <laughs> to yeah. start with." Um, but you know, you've got the same people doing the effects as are doing uh, on the Flash and Arrow and all of that. So, so there's already an integrated team. So crossovers are going to be much easier. And, and Pedowitz even said, "Next year's crossover is just going to be." Unbelievable because you're you're going to get all four of the shows, maybe five if you count Vixen on Seed, if there's any kind of uh, a crossover there. Because you have to remember, uh, Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin already put in voice appearances on the animated Vixen, and uh, I can't remember her name. It's it's. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I watched. I watched the actress who plays. Show. It's really she good. voices Vixen when we when we saw the casting news for her. We thought, okay, she looks like Vixen. She's going to make the transition to live action, and she actually did. So there's that possibility there, and you also now have the chance for Melissa Benoist to show up in Vixen as Supergirl, or she could show up on any of the other shows. So the possibility of crossover, like Tim said, is much stronger now uh, because you have all of the shows located in the same place. They're all in Vancouver. Um, Arthur Darville, talking on his panel earlier, was talking about when he first got there for Legends of Tomorrow, one of the first things he did was to went, to, went to visit all of the different sets, because they're all right there. And so, you know, you could do that kind of uh, back and forth. Um, there was even a, a line in the Supergirl Flash crossover episode 
when they're all standing there in Cat Grant's office, and she says, "You look like uh, a, a, a non the non the racially diverse non threatening cast of their CW right. show." Yeah, it was a, such a brilliant line and so self. Effacing, you know, self-aware. But that's also the biggest concern that people have right now is because she's in negotiations to whether or not she's going to move, because she lives in LA, and moving and, up for basically was, nine months of the year. Um, and that was the deal breaker for her to be on the show in the beginning, just right. in the first so, place. But she'll probably do. She'll probably do um, if if she, she may not have as many regular appearances. So no no plans for her to leave the show. I was going to ask that uh, because yeah, I've seen that she's been in uh, negotiations on mm -hmm. that show, and there's a chance that you know, she might not be back. I think this is an opportunity to maybe have her as a reduced role. Yeah, they're talking a recurring. They're talking recurring role. That's the right. current. That's the current. And, and I think it makes sense if you saw. You know, for those who didn't see the last episode of the season, I think it could easily transition where you could write that into the storyline of why isn't Cat Grant on the show as sure. based on the events of the last episode. Seen it yet, but it's definitely worth your time uh, to effort. Um, as far as the numbers go, uh, ratings wise, you know, Supergirl was drawing in about 10 million viewers per week, and that's with the DVR and the plus seven, I think it is. The Flash was getting, I think, about 5.7 with DVR and plus seven. Um, do you see those numbers staying anywhere near the same on the CW compared to CBS? I would think that the, most of the fans would go over, but CW doesn't have the reach in some areas. I'll give you a classic example in my market. I didn't get the CW on Direct TV in my market because the local CW was on point two of this station, and right. point one was Retro TV. And for those with Dish and Direct, you only get one of the stations right. per market, as that is FCC requirements. Um, I'm just getting into a lot of the CW shows right now because I actually can get them. So uh, do you see the numbers staying roughly the same? And if they stay, say, over 9 million, how big a boost is that to CW? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, I no, mean, I, you, I look at, you look at The Walking Dead over on AMC, and they're pulling in, what, 10, 12 million? Something and like that, 15. gargantuan hit for them so much that they spun it off to Fear the Walking Dead, which I haven't heard any good about. Yeah. You join us at 5 o'clock today in this very room. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be talking about that. Our Zompocalypse Now <laughs> podcast right. is going to record there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we, and this is something we've talked about before on, on did we talk, Rogue's Gallery, I think yeah. we talked about this. The fact that the numbers, the viewing numbers for a CBS show are low in comparison, you know, 10 million. We're, we are well past the days of a hit show having 25, 30, 40 million viewers. But 10 million is still really low for a, one of the marquee network, the, the, the alphabet networks. But for CW, 10 million is massive. And if they retain even two-thirds of that, it's still going to be a hit. And I think with it being on CW, with it being on CBS for a full season already, and it's attracted people that might not normally watch a CW show or a superhero show, but they came and watched this one because it's Supergirl and they want to see it's what what it's different. And it's not dark. And it's not grim and gritty. And so that I think has some more appeal to a to a broader audience. And and CW 
started out as a female demographic skewing network. I mean, Dawson's Creek, you know, Felicity. All, all of the early shows on CW were all skewed toward a female audience. So I think that might be a good move for them as well to bring some of those back. But it's going to be in the same time slot on CW as it was on CBS. So people are already, you know, Monday at seven o'clock, that's Supergirl. And you know, as far as the, you know, like DVR or what, you know, Live Plus Three, Live Plus Seven, you know, all of those episodes go up on the CW Network's website. So even if you don't have CW in your market, you can still watch it online. And those count too, so. I think it's gonna take a hit in numbers. A little bit, yeah, it'll, it it'll dip. It, it, it'll be, I'm gonna say, it'll, it'll stabilize at about seven million. Which would still yeah. be a big, yeah. still be a big plus for CW. Uh, the other thing you mentioned this is that the CW puts their shows up on the webpage, and CBS, of course, has their all access, which can be frustrating sometimes. Yeah. So I think the, the chances are with CW being a lot more accessible with their web uh, access to past programs, I think they, they help out in the long run. Well, they want viewers, and, and so much the, I mean, the days when the networks were guaranteed those big numbers, those big audiences, yeah, those, I mean, yeah, it's, they're, you know, gone. they're gone. But you're, you, you have so many different channels, you have so many different networks that everyone's vying for eyes. And so, getting a six or seven, you know, six or seven million is not nothing to complain about in, in this market, in any of the markets anymore. What kind of batteries is that? Nine volt. Nine volt. Nine volt. Okay. Sorry. Actually, work. I actually work with those kind of microphones, so I'm better dead on that. So. The, the curse of the microphones. Well, those aren't hand. Those aren't wireless. No, but. They're, well, no, they're because they're they're buried under. No, that, they're buried. So. Okay. Right. So um, the other thing too, you talk about advertising revenue. Yeah. Because for for those networks, uh, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, the advertising dollars are still one of those paramount things. And for the CW, um, you have other opportunities for advertisers that are not just commercials in the show. Uh, there's a lot of extra content that the CW produces that you don't get on CW, or CBS or NBC. NBC dabbled with it a little bit with Heroes, but the, the whole transmedia concept of you know web episodes and and online uh, the you know the the Guitar Hero contest that they did between the cast of Arrow and the Flash, you'd never see something like that on C on CBS. And so there's opportunities there, like with uh, with Legends of Tomorrow doing a stuff with with Ford, um, as well as doing a lot of the the after shows and the fan chats and all of this other stuff. Your your main networks, they're the old guard. They're not used to thinking in terms of you know all of this online social media web stuff. CW is geared toward that, and I think that's gonna that's gonna help as well. Uh, from the advertising side of things, but the fact that Supergirl is now part of all of the Pantheon, and the concern that Callista Flarhart is going to be there or not be there, you know, I've already seen the theory floated uh, from a couple of different places that uh, at some point Supergirl makes the jump to another dimension, which could explain why National City looks different and why now she can interact a little bit more with. Uh, with the rest of the of the capes, 
you know, so that's a possibility as well. Um, before they were talking about, before they moved to the show, they were also talking about her maybe showing up on The Flash as Power Girl. So there's, there's lots of different mix and match iterations that you could do, but the fact that she's actually now on that same network is gonna make things a lot easier for a lot of people. So, yes. Yeah, it's, it's still, go ahead, just go oh, ahead. Yeah, yours. Uh, with all these shows coming together on the CW and elsewhere, uh, you mentioned for in the previous question, hey, what if uh, you know you, you might have you super girl jump into a different dimension? Now, do you think that? But now, for for someone who's familiar with different dimensions and multiverse theories and things like that, okay, that's not a big deal. But do you think to the you know uh, uninitiated viewer, they they might see this and, and go like, what? You know, how 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 making a television show? How do you tread that topic? Well, for the folks who are coming in from Supergirl who have just watched it on network and have not made the transition over to the records to the CW shows, yeah. they may be your folks who have the challenge, but they also probably watched the crossover with The Flash. Yeah. And so they've already been primed for that. And of course, the folks on the, the, the viewers of the CW shows, um, you know, if, you, if you're watching Arrow or Flash or Legends of Tomorrow, you're already steeped in that. And to some degree, the, that core audience uh, that, that is there for the shows anywhere are the comic book audience. Um, where when we talk about this from time to time too is that you have uh, you have that weird thing where you can go to watch a, a superhero film and hear some critics sit there and say something like second tier level Iron Man and you're going second tier he's founded one of the inventors what, what are you talking about but outside the comic book world for the general audience you know they don't you know, they're not thinking they're thinking Superman Batman Spider-Man they're not thinking you know Iron Man who the hell is Iron Man but what ends up happening for the TV audience is that we've, primed, we've been priming them for a while. Uh, the fans have been priming them for a while. And so I think that you, if anything, I think you could also see a spike in Arrow and Flash numbers. Definitely Flash. By the, by the folks, yes, yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly. Arrow, certainly Arrow not brighter. so much. Although, although the last, at the end of Flash is... Don't tell I'm Someone hasn't seen the season finale. I haven't seen the season finale because I was working 12-hour days for MTV I all this week. I have seen it, and I just sit there and go around and laugh at it. My, uh, sad faces. <laughs> my other thought on that is that the, the Supergirl Flash crossover episode, Flash actually went through because there was that whole Geek Squad moment where they're explaining the multiverse and almost word for word exactly what Martin Stein had done in the Flash episode when they talked about the multiverse. And to see Wynn light up and say, it's a multiverse. I mean, yeah. he actually had the word used in an episode of, okay, they get it. Yeah. And so that was a good way of explaining, I, I crossed over from another dimension. You know, you're who now? You're what? And so that, I think, uh, is a good indication, one, that they know that there are people out there that are going to be asking that kind of a question. And two... They're assuming that the audience is smart enough to get it when they explain it in the shorthand they use. You know, they, you can, I can draw a bunch of circles, and these are all Earths, and they vibrate a different frequency. And, oh, it's a multiverse, and bang, Bob's your uncle. It's done. You know, and, and it's kind of lampshading a little bit because you're you're explaining how you can do all of these different shows and different different story universes, but it also fits as an in-show, in-universe explanation for what's going on. I think people are. Are smart enough, they're going to get it. So. Yes? I'm going to cover your ears. What do you think the ending of the Flash episode means? 
What do you think the ending of the Flash, the season finale? Okay, with, without, without saying, without spoilers, I can actually do this. It won't be easy, but I can actually do this. Um, it means what every season finale means. It means that those who have seen it are going to spend the space in between the next uh, season asking. Uh, I think we're close. I don't think we're on the season finale yet, but we're, we're getting it's going to, It's going to mean, it's, going to, it's still going to mean, it's going to mean that you're going to spend the entire space in between seasons asking yourself, what is this going to do to the show? Yeah. Um, I, what, I, what I'm enjoying about some of these is that they actually have been giving us cliffhangers again. Yeah. Um, and in the broad sense of what it means for the characters without giving spoilers, um, is that... Barry is always a character who's about hope. And whatever happens to him and to those he cares about, he's always a character about hope. That's the thing that makes Barry Allen Barry Allen. And Grant Gustin is already on record saying that next season's the, the tone is not going to shift as far as, you know, we're not going to go darker or we're not going to do anything like that. It's going to stay relatively the same. With so. something like Arrow, they've been, they've been kind of dark from the beginning. It's been that oh, sort of... Arrow's a mess. <laughs> it's that dark, it's the dark angsty, you know, and, and I am... I actually thought up a drinking game, uh, and I don't drink. That's how, that's how bad this guy is. But I do, for so every, do tell. <laughs> for every time Oliver Queen says, it's complicated. Okay, I don't want to go to the hospital. We can't use that. Um, Every flipping episode. Yeah. Well, and here's here's the thing. Um, right now, very much Arrow is is the CW's Batman show. Okay, and it's modeled very much off Batman. And there's a whole lot of Batman in there that doesn't need to be in there. Um, and I really, I am old enough to remember when um, when they actually made. When Oliver Queen was a bleeding heart liberal, mm-hmm. this was the, so he was in the seventies, okay, and they had the whole Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Trek Across America, oh, brilliant, such a fun run. brilliant storytelling, yeah. brilliant. Looking looking at the the America from a street level, from two superhero point of views, who saw things very different, differently, and then also the various incarnations of of Oliver Queen, and then the Longbow Hunters came out. And those of you who have not read the Longbow Hunters, it went dark. It was... Now, Andy Diggle wrote that, right? Or did he... My, was that Mike Grell? No, it was Grell. It was yeah, Grell. Right. So, and, I mean, the level of, of violence, it was, I mean, for the first time you actually acknowledged the fact that Oliver Queen was killing people. I mean, arrows go through people and they generally don't come out neatly um, when they're, you know... And, but it was it was really really powerful storytelling, and it made it, it was but it was a definite shift for the character. There was the acknowledgement he was more of the Robin Hood, um, and it read for a really neat arc in the comic books. But there was always that sense of a little bit of silliness. You know, Oliver's love of chili, um, almost an obsession with grape chili. Uh, his love for for uh, Black Canary and Dinoland, um, and you mean Dinah? Dinah, I said Dinah. Dinah Lands. Um, so it's it that was, was a, that was a, that was a dig at the show. It is yeah, that is a dig at it is a dig at the show. I'm waiting for Dinah to show up. Um, the third the third Lance daughter mm. who will eventually pop up from nowhere. Yeah, her name is Dinah Lance in the show. Yes. 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 
Kind of like Robert Bruce Banner. Or David Bruce Banner, depending yeah. on which one you're looking at. Exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, the, the fact that we had this really dark and brooding Oliver, uh, which is, was very much, you know, oh, look, it's Nolan's, it's Nolan's Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for them to actually sit there and go, okay, all right, we can do this. We can have, we can have the really, really scary villain show up. We don't always have to be so no. grim, which means, which honestly, more crossovers. Now, for those of you who have not read any of the the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams run uh, mm-hmm. that that Tim was talking about earlier, the Green Arrow, Green Lantern from the '70s and '80s, find some of those. Those are really good. Those were uh, those those were a time when comic books were starting to shift into more grown-up stories, more adult themes. Um, I think that was the first time they really took on drug addiction in the comic books. It was um, very much social commentary. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, very, it was looking at race relations and drug addiction and alcoholism and a lot of different things that comic books just were really mainstream comic books. Because mm-hmm. you certainly got a lot of that in the indie fields. But your mainstream comics just didn't have that kind of... Uh, they weren't telling those stories yet. You know, they would. They would the, 80s, the 80s and 90s saw an explosion in that kind of storytelling. But that was that was a pretty early place for them to do. So. See, they came in. I know. And they heard we were talking about Arrow, and they left. <laughs> if we've been talking about Supergirl if, at this point, if we were talking about Supergirl, they would have stayed. I, Arrow just doesn't have the appeal as the rest of the shows. Well, I think Arrow, Arrow it, which is ironic because it, it with if we hadn't had Arrow, we wouldn't have gotten any of the rest of them. The problem with Arrow is that it is very uneven storytelling, and it has an uneven storytelling. Yes, you know, about half the season of Arrow, any season. Randomly pick a season. About half the season is really good. Season two was pretty good. Uh, it was more consistently yeah, good than the rest of them. Half of season two was really good. Yeah. And the other half was kind of like, and it's not like a sharp line. It's not yeah. like the first half of the second half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first season of right. Agents of oh. S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. where the first half of the season is tread water, tread water, yeah. tread water, tread water. Season three of Arrow was all over yeah. the place. Yeah, so it's, and I think that unfortunately costs people. Now you have something like The Flash, where even if The Flash gets goofy, because there's been a couple episodes where it's got a little goofy. Um, you get redeemed by having, you know, Gorilla Grodd show up at the right. and the and the crowd goes wild. Yes. Um, you know, or how, how did this become a CW? Are we talking about CW stuff? I know. Oh, it's, it's, it's 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 fine. Sure. Well, it's it's comic books on television. It's, it's what we're it's yeah. you know, a great home for it. Some people have said that uh, that CW should change their name to the DCW. Because they're, I mean, it's pretty much a DC, there's a DC show on every night except Friday. And that will change, I'm sure. Who do you, who do you think they're bringing up next? You think they're going to launch, okay, how many of you have been keeping up on Legends of Tomorrow? Are, are you, are you, are we okay to talk about Because they're already, there's already discussion online about what's coming in season two. Which we want, we want, say what happens in the final episode. I'm going to do it, yeah, but... That could be their next series. Oh yeah, I could easily see that. Yeah, there's there's a couple there's you know there's there's a number of characters that I think would would translate really well. I've been dying to have someone to do a good Starman series off the James Robinson run. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you, uh, well we've we've already got a uh, we've already got a Scar uh, uh, Courtney Vance Courtney Vance Courtney B Vance who no not um, Courtney Courtney from Justice Society. Who picked who has the Starman's? Uh, uh, oh, Stargirl. Stargirl, yeah. Yeah. yeah Stargirl, okay. the last name of the character. But so we've already had that character show up in 
in the DC television universe. Right. But um, the James Robinson Starman was uh, one of those really great storylines where they brought back a lot of uh, Golden Age heroes and villains through the modern through a modern character of a superhero who was the descendant of the 1940s and 50s Starman who had no desire to be a superhero and then stumbles into it and realizes he's actually really good at it. Um, and it was a fantastic, it's like 75, 80 issues of really solid storytelling. And you had Solomon Grundy show up and you had The Mist and some really fantastic villains. And it, it's, it's almost tailor-made for television in a way that some, some comic book shows aren't. Right. Um, so now, of course, we've, we've been teased. We had uh, spec. We had the Spectre, or Jim Corrigan, show up on, on Constantine, um, which would be a great. They could. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun to bring. You know, in. if they could bring, and you know, Constantine would be good on Friday night. Well, you know, I think that late if, Friday night. If you could figure out a way to bring it back and to take the gloves off, because because putting Constantine on network. Um, Unless you're going to sit there and give it the same kind of freedom that they gave a show like Hannibal, Constantine needs to be a horror television show. Right? You can't. You, you need to let it be. You need to let it be horror because then you have the contrast of him showing up on Arrow or Flash, and you realize the stakes are higher when you've got something like that. But with CW, you already have. You've got Vampire Diaries and you've got the originals. Sure. Um, and I Zombie is not really horror, but it's you know it's zombies. So they've they've already tread that ground a little bit. Yeah. And it looks like Riverdale is going to do something. I don't here know what's going on with Riverdale. Uh, it's like it's like is this is this the Twin Peaks version of Riverdale? Because I'm not sure I'm like on board. It. it looks like it. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very happy that Twin Peaks is coming back. However, not in Riverdale. I don't need Archie there. Anyone else? Yes. yes. What are your thoughts? Oh, you're going to ask about Gotham. Okay, um, I, I need to make this very, very clear. I have stopped watching Gotham. I, I stopped watching actually, a year ago because... I, yeah, I did too. I threw my hands up and I said, I cannot take this anymore. And I realized it is a failing, and I realized that's a flaw, and I don't care. Well, <laughs> Oh yeah, no. The oh, performances, the performance is really it's it's a good cast for the most part, but they're being given really stupid things to do, and the 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 way that they're front loading all of Batman's villains into Gotham City before we get Batman, it just completely screws up everything, because these guys none of them none of them came out and you know made any kind of an appearance until after Batman showed up. And so that's been, that's been one of those things where you know, we're, we're sitting there going, okay, they're telling a Batman story without Batman, but they're giving us everything else. And that's a huge mistake. Uh, if you're gonna do a, 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 a show that's focused on James Gordon, do Gotham Central. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, that's we what everybody for was Central. hoping for. When, when they were like, oh, Gotham? Cool. We're gonna get Gotham Central, and you know, Batman will be a, like a peripheral character or something like that. And that's not what we got. Um, I think watching Gotham at this point, for some people that I've talked to, it's like um, it's like watching a car accident 
in slow motion over and over. And it's over a bad and car accident too. It's one of those like four cars, like one's airborne at this point. And there's and body parts. And you know, and the stuffed teddy bears going. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A teddy bear going yeah. in the air. It's, yeah, it's it is bad. And, and I, I, I read the recaps. Here's here's the problem is I do I will not devote an hour of my week to watch the show, but I'll read recaps of it. And all I can think is I'm just waiting for Bruce Wayne to die. Because what this show needs more than anything is Bruce Wayne to die and Alfred to become Owlman. From everything that I read. Now that would be fun. <laughs> possibly because I want. Yeah. Well, and he's also crazy. Well, no, and, and this is more this the craziest is more the, version of Alfred I've ever read. This is well. This goes back to the graphic, the the Batman Earth One graphic novel, where yeah. he's got that, that more of that military spy background, and and we we got a little bit of that with Batman Year One from Frank Miller. Yeah. Where he had that you know he was a medic in the army, but Batman Earth One really took it to, you know, Alfred has done some things. And well, but even in, even in the mainstream him. universe, he's he's been a spy, he's been a soldier, he's been he's been a lot of different things in the course of his. He's also the Joker. He's also the Joker. Yeah. Um, but I no, I just I just want I want Sean Pertwee in an Alman suit. I want yeah. Sean Pertwee on Doctor Who. Oh yes, that needs to happen That's as well. But um, because did you see he has said that he would never play three? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and I completely understand that. I wouldn't. First of all, playing your father is always a risky thing. Yeah. Um, but also there is there's such a you know there's there there's still what two or three generations who grew up or were part of you know the third doctor was a part of their lives and stepping into those shoes is yeah, it's a tough thing for any actor, but it's also it's a matter of, you know, respecting what the work's been done. So. No, I, yeah, I can understand that. But he'd be the only one who could do oh, it. Oh, I know. He'd be fantastic. If you if you had any kind of a crossover with three, he'd be the only one. He still needs to be on the show because I want him and I want him and Bacaldi, uh, Peter Capaldi to play off each other because that would just be so much fun. Wouldn't it? Oh yeah. That would be that would be a blast. Well, I wouldn't view. It's a great line, but it's also one of those. This is how we can write ourselves out of a corner. That if we find ourselves bringing back an actor we really want to bring back, we can do it. Kind yeah. of line. Um, but sure, no, I think if, I would love. He would be the kind of. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Sean Purdue for for years now. Um, I, he's done a lot of horror films that I really enjoy. He's he's a he's a fun actor. He's very funny. Um, I think he'd make a great doctor. He'd be much more your rough and tumble, Chris Eccleston style doctor, I think is in more, um, but, uh, and I think that, I think that you'll get, you know, if you can, if we can talk him into it, you know, it, well, the great thing about Doctor Who is that for, it's a show that allows you to have an actor who's older play the part. You can go young, you can go old, you don't have, you're not stuck in the same kind of, oh, my lead must be this handsome, dashing 35 year old, you know, because that's not what the history of the show was allowed for, right? So, I mean, you'll you'll have popular actors by then. You get David Tennant, um, who uh, uh, many people swooned, but it actually was one of the few. I mean, they, you didn't generally view the Doctor as a romantic hero. That that's a new that's a new series version. There were plenty of people who were eyeing the Doctor as a romantic hero during the old series, but they were fans. 
Yeah, the writers didn't do it. Yeah, the writers didn't do it. Not like they do now. There were many of them, you know, lots of sex. They were, they were sex symbols in their own way, but it wasn't until it wasn't until Eccleston and Tennant that it really kind of blew up. Rose. Oh, well, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know, to revisit back to Sean Kirby never playing his father, I mean, when we went from the three doctors to the five doctors, they actually had a new actor come in to play William Hartnell's role that he, since he had sadly passed away then. Um, I, I mean, it might take a bit of convincing, but it is theoretically possible. I mean, look at the man. He's a, oh, I know. He's a yeah, spitting image. Well, spit image John. That's why we'd love to have him do it. Well, um, and that's what fans keep telling him. And and he even acknowledged it, I, I think it was last Halloween or the Halloween before, where he dressed as three for Halloween, and he posted a picture on Instagram, and everybody just blew a gasket <laughs> thinking, oh, he, he's got to do it. He has to do it. Um, and I think somebody, somebody actually Photoshopped, uh, I just used that as a verb. You I did. I told myself it's, I would never do that. Somebody used Photoshop to put uh, to take a picture of, of Sean as Alfred. There was a there's a particular uh, publicity photo from one of the episodes where he's you know it's a nice three quarter profile shot, and they put three's hair they put his dad's hair on on that. I kid you not, it looks like John Pertwee. It looks like his dad, and I can I can understand him not wanting to play that part because. That was Dad's part, but you look at somebody like um, like um, Dewan, Chris Dewan, who plays Scotty on Star Trek Continues, and he may not exactly look like his dad, but he's close enough, and he's got the accent down. And he's just nailed the voice. He sounds exactly like his father, and I could see. You know, a lot of people were saying you you should be playing Scotty in the reboot. Uh, because you know he, he's Scotty's son, and he does the Scotty's voice. I mean, he, he actually looks more like Scotty than than Simon Pegg does. And you know, you get those circumstances where the you know the father becomes the son, the son becomes the father. And I think I think it would be great to have him have him do it. I think it's just going to take a lot of convincing and a lot of money. <laughs> the the big. The biggest problem with him coming back in the role is that he cannot come back with some of the wonderful, wonderful companions that were yeah. part and parcel of that decade. I mean, that was that was where you got Sarah Jane. That's where you got Joe Grant. And bringing them back, you're. It's one thing to have him step into the role for an episode or a special because you know he's that's what it is. But you would never want to recast Sarah Jane Smith. No, or, no. or Joe Grant, or I mean, you, you, you're, you know, you're not going to recast Lethbridge Stewart. You're just. Not I, I think it. you could get him to do maybe one of the Christmas, one of the the, the children's mm -hmm. specials. I, I yeah, like, I, like like Time Wreck. As as time goes by, unintended, people will wear him. Wear, keep wearing him down. Whether or not he gives in is another story. But they'll yeah. keep wearing him down because no, no one's going to give up on this. I could see. I could see a. a you know, him, him, and Capaldi in a in a children's special. Oh, that would just be so much fun. Yeah, because you know, be you know, ten and ten and five did it uh, right right before the Titanic episode when it was when it was. If flight. nothing else, it would be I would like to see him give us some stuff through Big Finish. Mm, yeah, because Big Finish right now is putting out 
Um, and you guys all know what Big Finish is, right? The, the audio. The audio course. stuff. Because um, right now, you get, uh, Tenant and Tate are just kicking off their new series uh, on audio. So the Tenth Doctor uh, and, uh, and Donna are back. Um, in, the, in the audio world, they're recording new adventures there. They're recording just about every every living doctor is currently recording, with the exception of Smith isn't doing any right now. Although I think he did. I don't think he's doing any right now, and Capaldi isn't doing anything right now. But you've got is is Eccleston? Eccleston's not doing any audio, is he? Um, no, no, okay. he's not. There's there's rumors that they've gotten with something where he's going to come back for something, but that's just. But they're they're actually they are doing some War Doctor stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. John Hurt is recording. Yeah, well, yeah, they're basically filling in the story of the Time War through the audiobooks. So and. And those are canon. It's all canon. So, Um, and so Big Finish is putting out a huge amount of content. Um, In fact, Big, they've uh, they've rolled out missing seasons and. And uh, old adventures and, and Torchwood and Torchwood, yeah. So Torchwood is back there uh, as well. It's a pretty impressive. It's a pretty impressive range. So, yeah. anyone else? Yeah. While we're on the subject, Doctor Who, what are your all's opinion of Stephen Moffat finally stepping down as showrunner? I'm not saying finally is a bad thing. I loved him all. He was great. And the ascension of Helicopter Chibnall. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, uh, yeah, just yeah. Chris Chipper. What's your, what's your opinion about that? Um, go ahead. Showrunners come and go. Okay. Uh, the modern showrunner is a thing. I mean, it's it's. There were a lot of showrunners on the original show. Okay. But can you can you any of you tell me who the showrunner is on Gotham? Can you tell me who the showrunner is on Supernatural? Can you tell me who the showrunner is on Luther? Where you go with the with the with the British show, right? Okay, it's it's a for Doctor Who. It's become this big deal, okay? Because you know Davies brought it back, so he was the showrunner. He's the guy who revived the show, and everyone was so excited because it kind of made him a pop star. And but he'd done a ton of done, done different things. Um, you know, he'd made he'd made some really groundbreaking television in the UK and in in America as well. Um, so. It became a big deal, and then Moffat took over, and Moffat's just like he wrote some of the best episodes of Doctor Who, and everyone's like, oh, "It's such a big deal." It's another rock star. And Doctor Who fans are like that with the people who create the shows. Now we we look at the shows, we look at those people differently. I think the other the other time when something like that was actually a fan awareness bit was in Star Trek, because you look at season three of Star Trek when Fred Freiberger came in as as the as the line producer on it. You know, back back in those days, it was the line producer. It wasn't you know, they weren't called showrunners, but um, Freiberger's year is where everything just kind of went off the rails, and everybody blames him. Whereas now you look at Star Trek Enterprise, when Manny Cotto came in as producer for season four, it actually started to feel like a Star Trek show. But by then, it was too late. It was already dead in the water. Um, there, there is a certain amount of notoriety and and recognition of certain producers of shows. Greg Berlanti is one right now. He's the he's the new you know the hot dog on the block right now. But for the most part, who who the showrunner is is not as important as consistency in the show. That said, that said, um, if you look at uh, Russell's years versus Stevens' years. Russell's years are 
less continuity heavy. They are more the doctor as a romantic hero. There's very much that kind of, you know, we're not, you, you, had, you had old original series stuff pop up, but it wasn't as much. Stephen Moffat is a huge, huge fan of the show. He's a fan of the show from the very beginning. He loves the characters that nobody remembers. He wants to bring them back and make them cool. Um, so you saw that almost a switch being flipped when he took over, where it was very much continuity, the old continuity coming back in, in a big way. Um, and even know. more when Capaldi took over the role. Oh, yeah, because Capaldi is the same way. But it's also, it, you're going to see a change. You're going to see, because every showrunner, uh, uh, they do that. They grab all the things and go, okay, I, I love this show. This is the stuff that I love about it. This is what we're going to do next. So. You know what we're going to do next? We, yes, we're going to wrap up here. We're going to wrap up. Um, now, this, this having been a live taped uh, recording, we did not take our normal break. We, we are going to uh, acknowledge our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com. And uh, also, I encourage you to, to check out uh, their site, but uh, the hashtag, the Hero Box, I think right now it looks like they're doing a Nightwing Robin Hero Box. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, we're gonna give we're gonna give away a hero box. Uh, I gotta check and see which one. But we'll do a hashtag H two O podcast one fifteen. If you've got any other ideas or thoughts, you want to suggest topics to us for for future episodes, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest, Google Plus, YouTube, Tumblr, all the places, and Twitch. We're and now Twitch. on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, doing uh, we do uh, gameplay on Sunday afternoons now. And, uh, of course, our main site, sci and also horrorforme.com is a new yep. one we launched here a few months ago. Uh, we invite you to check those out. Thanks very much for, for coming Thank in and much. sitting with us Thanks, uh, this hour. Thanks for questions. Appreciate it. And don't forget, our Zompocalypse Now uh, podcast session is at 5. 5. In this room. Yep. Sure. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 